sitting down with college football royalty, the Bowden dynasty, legendary head coach Bobby Bowden, his wife Ann, Tommy Bowden, former Tulane and Clemson coach, current Akron and former Auburn coach Terry Bowden, former offensive coordinator for Florida State and current special teams, and wide receiver coach of Akron, Jeff. Gentlemen, family, it's, it's an honor to be here with you today. Talk to me about when you think about your career, not only for yourself, but as a family. 631 career wins, 14 conference championships, two national championships, three undefeated seasons, a great success on and off the field. But what does it mean to you to see not only the success for yourself, but your sons? Well, that's what you're in it for. You're in it for no other reason except to win. You know? Football is really fun if you win. <laughs> if you know the NFL. <laughs> and uh, so, number one, when they were coming up, I knew they were all showing a great interest in football. And I didn't want them to go into it. I didn't want them to go into it. Number one, I didn't want to compete with them. You know, and then I didn't want them to compete against each other in, in a profession which I was familiar with. You know? but, but, but I also felt like if that's what they wanted to do, they got to do it. You know, that's where they felt. So they went into coaching. When you look at your career as a whole and what you were able to do in bringing Florida State to prominence, talk to me about that and, and the hard work that it took to get the program to where it is even today. Yeah. It was like finding a buried treasure. You know, here I am coaching at West Virginia University. We were doing pretty good. We were going to bowl every other year. And went in more than we lost, you know. And then Florida State called and said they were looking for head coach. Well, Ann and I had coached there for three years, so we're very familiar with Florida State. We really liked it. We liked Florida because we were raised in Alabama, coached in Georgia. You know, that's, that's our home, you know. So at the last moment, we decided to go go home. That's exactly the way we approached that job. Let's go home, and we did. My mother was still living. Her mother was still living. We had lost our dads, you know. So we were able to spend the last 10 years of our life with our mothers and, so, and, and get back close to our family. You talk about behind every successful man is a great woman and then obviously your wife of 67 years, 48 in football. Talk to, talk to me about the bond between you and Anne and how that played a part in, in success on and off the field. Well, it was a bond. I, I never, I never made a move without her approval. You know, I don't, I don't think I could have. <laughs> Little do they know. <laughs> but any time I approached a new job, it was always with her first, and she was always supportive. You know, some wives, I think some wives and husbands would have a hard time getting along because she would work. She don't want to go to this town or that town, you know? And he did, so it might cause a problem. But Ann was always very, her, her final decision was always supportive of what I wanted to do. When you look at your coaching career, um, the one thing that stands out for me is in terms of you were never afraid to take a risk. 1988, the Punta Rusia, I mean, you believed in your players. Yeah. You believed enough to take risks and to me, that translated not just on the field, but off the field. And known as a player's coach. Talk to me about that and, and the relationship that you had with each and every player that came through your program. Well, I, I never went into a game without a trick play. 
I mean, when we got them playing the team on Saturday, so Sunday rolled around, I'm I gotta find something. Something I can pull Because <laughs> they're better than us, and I gotta do something to pull that game even, you know. So I would have some kind of a trick line. And I used a lot of them, and, 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 and most of them were successful. Now, if they hadn't been successful, who would have known I was a, I, I, I liked to run trick plays. But we were very successful. We ran a fake field goal one time for a touchdown. We ran another fake field goal for a touchdown. We ran another fake field goal for a touchdown. We, we ran a fake, fake plot for a big first down. You know, and then uh, of course the Bundles was 78 yards for a field goal which enabled us to win the ball game. And uh, so we had, we had a lot of success with them. And I also had failures. It cost me a ball game against Auburn at the time. We had Auburn beat, man. You know, and we tried a track play that we had tried the week before, and that was stupid. It was kind of like they don't, kind of like they don't have sense enough to look at film. <laughs> and uh, so we, we ran that same play against them. They were waiting on that thing, and it got a kick field goal piece. So anyway, some of them worked, and uh, some, some of them didn't. You talk about adversity. Obviously, the great games against Miami, the wide right, yeah. and you know, but that built your program. That built, that made you it a did. stronger coach. That made you a, a stronger team. Yeah. And, and talk about how those failures prepared you for success. Well, it, it really did. It set up a, it set up a scenery, which people liked. In other words, the first one we we had the best game I thought we ever played. We lost to them 26-25. We went for two and didn't make it. Now if we would have went for one, I think we would have won the national championship. Because I think we were one and they were two. That they beat us so they were they ended up one. We ended up number two. But uh, when that game occurred, they we had a big lead, and they got a lead in the last couple of minutes. Then we came back in the last minute and scored, and uh, we're one point behind. So my team comes off the field there, no doubt what I'm going to do. I'm going to kick it at the toilet. You know, the odds, the odds on three-point conversion are not good. <clears throat> so I, I get my kicking team and send them in. Well, when my boys came off the field, they looked at me like, Coach, you're not going to go for it. You know, that's the feeling I got. Coach, you're not going to go for it. You know, and, and I could sense that. So I called time down, boy. I sent my first team offense back in there. I gave them a play. Well, what's the significance of that? The significance of that is the whole nation saw it. They all made comments on it. If you're a great team, you ought to go for the win. You know, and, and, and we did go for it, and we didn't make it. But, but that's like Tom Osborne when he was at Nebraska. Right. Did the same thing. All he had to do was kick that one last championship. No, he had to be brave. You know, and, 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 and go for it. Went for it and didn't get it. A lot of cost him a national championship. Being the wife of a head coach, a legendary head coach, the ups, the downs, the, but through it all, it was the stability. 67 years of marriage. Talk to me about what that means for you and seeing not only the success of Bobby, but Terry, Jeff, and Tommy. Well, you see what I got out <laughs> Plus one other girl. And two girls. Right. So we had a great family, and I loved it. As kids, I mean, your dad's a legend, and all great coaches, and Jeff, a great offensive coordinator, and a great coach. What is the one thing 
that you took from your father in terms of your coaching career? The one characteristic that you can say really translated into what you taught your players as coaches today? Trick plays, you just talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> he just talked about it. I think I always took that a little bit, you know, because... Tommy used to do that a lot. Yeah, but that's what you learned. You know, then when I first went to Clemson and played him, we didn't have quite the talent, so you had to do trick things. But that was one of the things, you know, from, from a coaching perspective. But we probably one of the biggest thing all of us took was the, uh, was the, was the faith aspect. We had right. a lot of pressure, uh, insecurity, uh, volatility in the, in the profession. And uh, he had always made a statement that football was important, but it was not the most important. I think it was keep, that helped us keep balance yeah. because of the, the pressures and the anxieties from the job. It helped us all keep balance. That's probably, probably the top thing. And I think I think the thing that I, that I look back on now, because I'm still coaching, still trying to make a turn back my business in this trade. But I think I think if you're going to make it over a different decade, you got to be willing to change and adapt. I think so many coaches today, they're they were wishbone quarter coaches, and when the wishbone went out, they went out, or they were eye formation coaches. But if you're going to stay in this business, you better be on the front end of change. And I think that's the one thing as a graduate assistant, we all were graduate assistants for my father. We watched him change from a from an eye formation to a to the split back West Coast offense to the four wide out no huddle spread to every different phase of the game. I remember once asking my dad, what's your favorite offense? Well, I used to love the straight tee, uh, but then I liked the, the split tee. Uh, then I like the wing tee. Then I like the eye. Then I like the split, the, the West Coast. Then I like the poor. You got to change. I guess the ability to change and adapt. And I think that's the key that I've been able to take with me. If you're going to coach over the, the amount of seven decades that he was a head coach from the 50s to 2010, you've got to be willing to be on the front end of a curve, not on the back end of a curve. And, and, and trying to still do the same thing. And Joe, I, I, I thought this was. Uh a big lesson for me in coaching when I first went to FSU because it was so different than coaches I had been around and we had been together but man it was it was rough it was custom it was it was all up their tail and this and that and then you go to FSU I go there in 94 and it's about love and respect for each other and character and uh, you know, if you have those things, you'll win. You'll become a team, which is so huge to winning. Yeah. That uh, is a great lesson for me. And, and that's what I look at when I look at your career as a whole. I mean, I feel like you were ahead of the time because we see in 1993 you took a quarterback in Charlie Ward. Yeah. You spread it everybody out, and you won a national championship. And here we are, uh, 23 years later, yeah. and the spread offense is taking college football by storm. Yeah. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, to, to really evolve the sport the way you did it. Yeah. I mean, years prior. I mean, how does that make you feel? Gus, Gus Malzon brought it to my attention right. when he played Florida State for the national championship. He scored about 12 seconds too early. Remember, <laughs> gave off on the right. And I was, I was, well, I introduced him to Banquet. And he told me, he said, where he got the idea of the full speed uh, prototype offense, no huddle, was he said from China Ward. He said, so when China Ward was running at Florida State, and we did, we, we used to call it the, uh, the, the, the fast break. Fast. Let's, go, let's go to the fast break, which means let's go fast as we can go, you know? And we did those things back in those days. And, uh, and boy, we were having success. We put him out of lineup against us, you know. We didn't realize that we, we had some. 
we had some. We stayed with it for a while, all the way up through this weekend. You know, we went undefeated. And you think about three undefeated seasons. I mean, not just you, Bobby, in 1999, but yeah. Terry in 93, yeah. Tommy in 98. I mean, that's unprecedented when you think about a family. It was I mean, that probably never happened again in college football, but I mean, how does that make you feel as a family? It's, it, to, it's trickled down to your sons. I mean, I, I got a complex. <laughs> <laughs> I got a complex. He wins one first year coach. First year coach, I was a dead gun man. Oh, he's undefeated. Undefeated. Tommy, about, about third or fourth year, undefeated. In the second year, that's yeah. right. Makes me mad. Makes me mad. Okay, so but he goes undefeated. I'm 60 years old before I ever go undefeated. <laughs> well, Florida State played some uh, oh, tough games back in the day. Oh, I mean, that was, I remember the games I, against Auburn. I rivalry with Auburn and Florida, and, but the big one was right there in Miami. I mean, if we could have beat Miami, Jeffrey, we can't, we can't, we set, we set up field goals. Jeffrey, Jeffrey's coaching our offense. We scored 27 points. We have tw 27 to 14. Now, okay, with 10, 10 minutes left, we ought to have this thing. They, they broke two long ones. They broke two long ones. When they had those 28, 27. Who are they going to blame? They're going to blame with that young one. They're going to do it every time. That's just that's way they are. And, uh, but, uh, and then on top of that, they go ahead of us with a minute to go. We take the ball and drive it 60 yards for a 38-yard field goal. And that's, that's, a, that's, that's an extra point. That's a gimme. <laughs> and we missed it, you know. So who we got to fire? We got to do it. That's where it was. That's where it is. We learned, we learned to be tough. They learned to be tough. They had to go through that. They have to go through the fire right. to, to get the toughness it takes to be a winning coach. I've heard Terry speak a lot, and, and I heard the story about the coffee. And, and, and the, you know, what you learned from your father, the work ethic. And, and is there a story that you want to share that maybe isn't the national championships, isn't uh, the prestige? Is there a story that really epitomized your coaching career that you sat back and you said, wow, this is what it's all about? I'm sure there were a lot of instances where that would be true. You know, this, this is what it's all about. But, uh, but being able to coach with my sons was my favorite part. That was my favorite part. Coach with Tommy, Coach Terry, Coach with Jeffrey, uh, even my son-in-law, my daughter, oldest daughter's husband. He's a good football coach. He coached at Clemson, also coached at Auburn. You know, and uh, being with them was probably the greatest, the greatest of all my coaching career. Being with my boys, and I count my son-in-law. No, son-in-law was my boys. Right. It's not just your, your family, but it's it's former coaches like Mark Rick, like Chuck Amato, who's with Terry now, defensive yeah. coordinator. Uh, Mickey Andrews, the former defensive coordinator. Talk about the relationships that you've had with former coaches, and not just on your staff, but guys like Lou Holtz. Yeah, we're, we're about as much of a family as, as you could put together. I mean, with, with my sons being in there, 
And then and Lou Holtz was one of my favorites. I met Lou when he was a graduate assistant at Iowa. He, he was a nobody. But when I met him and kind of started dealing with him, I, I could see something special in Lou. I don't know if you've ever heard him speak, but you've never heard a better speaker. Whoever you heard, you have not heard a better one. He's the best speaker I've ever heard. And uh, so I had the privilege of playing against him five or six times, and it was an, it was an experience. I always thought he was, I, don't, I can't think of the right term, but he might be shrewd. I think he might be the shrewdest coach I ever coached his boy. I mean, you better, you better have it all tied together. Well, he's going to find that way to beat you, you know. Right. Do you, as children, have any stories that you want to share about growing up? I know I know you mentioned the coffee and, uh, you know, when you got back into coaching about how, how you wanted to, the work ethic. Talk to me uh, about uh, a story that you might want to share about what epitomizes both your mom and dad. They got their work in me. <laughs> <laughs> I got my feelings hurt yesterday. We went by the doctor to get him checked out to see if he could come up here. I'm waxing, as you can tell. I was going to tell everybody I won that fight. <laughs> but um, we, we went to the doctor yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday. He was scared to death. Because I went to the hospital in four days. Right. I got out and started exercising. Back to the hospital for four days. So he did not want me to go. He said, you're just, just going to stay. They're going to keep you too busy. You know? And uh, so Ann was there. Tom, you weren't with us. Yeah, me and Robin. You, you, Rob, you yeah, weren't there. I was there. Just me and Robin. You and Robin. Everybody wanted me to stay, not go. Don't go. Uh-uh. Doctor, doctor said, don't go. And I had to look him right in the eye and tell him I was going to go anyway. I hate to do that because he, he's always been. But I wanted you to go, and that's oh, why he oh, accused me of being a little pushy. Hurt my feelings. He said, you're a little pushy. You know, you know, and hurt, that hurt my feelings. A little pushy. Yeah. I mean, she went. I came up here yesterday with a one, one to eight vote. <laughs> You see, I usually win these fights. <laughs> you have a movie coming out. It's on. It's on January. It, it, it epitomizes the dynasty between you and your son. So, talk to me a little bit about that and, and how that makes you feel. Because I mean, I'll tell you what. It makes me feel good. I, 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 when 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 John came to me, John Corey, he's a Florida State graduate. He was at Florida State during the dynasty. He's produced quite a few productions and they all been very successful. So when he said, I want to do one on the Bible Dynasty, I said, okay, nice try. Let's go, okay, go ahead and try it. You know, I, I, I could, I, I, my thought would be like yours or yours. Well, how come you want to do it on me? You know, there's nothing exciting out there. You know, I didn't ever rob a bike. <laughs> I, I should have robbed a bike. They don't get to love me. <laughs> But, but anyway, so anyway, he, I told him he could go ahead and do it. And so he put it together. And we had a sh the first show and I saw, I, I really liked it. And I said, I, my, my thoughts were, I don't want it to make me look like a hero. I want it to make God look like a hero. 
you know, I want to, I want to glorify God. If I can do that, my life would have been worth it. You know, and, and that's exactly what he did. He did a good job of putting that on thing. Yeah, I'm really proud of him. I saw that that faith plays an important part, especially in your coaching career and now since you stopped coaching. Yeah. And there was a time in the beginning when you were sick and yeah. you spoke to God and you said that if you were able to be healed that you would dedicate your life to Him. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, I number one, I was raised with that foundation. I had a mother and a dad and a sister. My mother and dad were, were, were godly people and they loved Jesus. They loved the church. They made sure that me and me and I keep touch that hand. Me and Rock, my, my sister, Mary, all we went to church every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every time doors were open. They wanted us there, and we were there. I didn't want to be there. I know they were going to play around, you know. But anyway, I was there. And uh, so, as I look back at my life, that's, that's the luckiest thing that ever happened to me to have parents like that, you know. Because I learned so much. And the, by reading the Bible, which is God's Word, and then praying, which is me, me talking to Him. Yeah. And so that really shaped my life. And you talk about taking your faith and mentoring young younger student-athletes. One of your student-athletes today is going to be honored in the College Football Hall of Fame, Derek Brooks. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about Derek's performance on and off the field and what he meant to your program. Derek. I had, I had Derek Brooks and also had some others like him. <clears throat> but I could use him as an example and never be wrong. Because he was a boy that was raised, I'm not, that, I'm not sure if he had a dad. He might have had a dad, but he wasn't in the home. And his mother trusted me to raise her son, you know. <clears throat> and uh, and uh, out of all the boys I coached, you couldn't have pick out a better example of a young man that you'd like your son to be like. And I used to get a lot of phone calls when I was coaching and when my name was out front. Coach Bowden, I've got a 15-year-old son and he doesn't have a dad. And uh, what can I tell him to help make him successful? What can I tell him to help make him successful? <clears throat> I said, well, I said, I tell them all the same thing. I said, you tell him one to get, get his priorities in order. And remember, you don't have a dad. You got a sweet mom, you know. And uh, but he didn't have a dad hammering on him about obeying the laws. So that's the thing that's missing today, son. Dad is, you know, those, those boys need somebody to tell them what to do. And, and, uh, and, and so, so anyway, so anyway, I used to always talk to my coaches about being a father to these boys. We gotta be the dad. Because you might be the only thing he ever sees like a dad, you know? And so that was always big in our program. And all of your programs, talk to me about what, what that means for all of you in terms of mentoring student athletes and how it translates to adults on and off the field. They say most influential parents are same-sex parents. You know, like I said, there's a family now that's a little more dysfunctional than, dysfunctional than it was right. 20, 30 years ago. And, and you do have a responsibility from an influence standpoint 
think he was uh, Billy Graham said that a coach will influence more per people in a year than a normal person will in a lifetime, or more people in one in a, in a, in a year than most people in a lifetime. And you understand the significance of your position and influence you can have, and uh, so you better make sure it's the right kind of influence. I think we all understood that response. Do you have a moment in your, all of your coaching careers that stands out for you? Obviously, the perfect seasons, and but does one really stand out above the rest that, like your dad, that you can say, this is why I got in, involved in coaching, this is why I do it? Yeah, I, I had one, and I'll let Terry and Jeff here. I had a young man I signed from Louisiana, a really good running back when I went to Clemson. I was at Tulane, so I still recruited. So took him up to uh, Clemson, and he wasn't a real good student. Single parent, uh, didn't have a really strong home environment about study skills and time management skills and all that. But he was a hard worker, had a lot of pride in what he did. Brought him up and tested him, uh, had reading specialists, learning specialists, tested him about a fifth grade reading level. Started in the class, and I got an email from a teacher about the first six months. See, he shouldn't be here. This kind of guy, the college is not for these type of guys. He'll never graduate. He will never succeed. But he was a guy that would go to study hall, go to tutor, sit up in the front row, and took, do his assignment, tried really hard, redshirted him. And so I kept that letter, put it in a file. And uh, five, five years later, four and a half years later, he was MVP of the Chick fil A Bowl, set a rushing record, graduated two or three months later. And I called him in. I said, "Come on, I'll show you something." I took that letter out, showed it to him, and he cried. It was a very, it was a pretty emotional time. But those are the times that where you you see people rewarded that most people would have normally they would have given up on, and people told him you can't do it. And he's a very productive you know, guy today. And we all probably have. Oh yeah, that's just like oh, yeah. Remember Bob Gresham? Yeah. Um, Bob, I, I tried to get him a job, but dropped the English course. He was flunking the darn thing. The teacher said, you don't have a chance. I tried to get him to drop it. Uh-uh, I, I can do it. I can do it. And then got his graduate. He, he put, I don't want to pass that course. He graduated from West Virginia University. And I learned a big lesson there, boy. You know, and uh, they, 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 got my, they got so much more yeah. to offer that we realized. I, I think the longer you're coaching, I'm 60 now, I've been, been doing this for a long time too. You start coaching the children of dads that you coached. I've got a couple on my team right now that I coach their fathers. And I remember when their fathers came into my office and they had gotten into trouble and people say, well, what kind of guys are you doing? But you watch them grow and you watch them mature. And, and, and the biggest thing is when they bring their children back and then their children want to play for you. I think that's what we see now. I know I had a chance to go into broadcasting for 10 years and then made a decision to get back into coaching. And I know when I got back in because of the, of the, of the, the lessons that I had learned over the years, uh, it's important to me that I share my faith. Every, every single player that's going to play for me, I'm going to share my faith. Right. They can have their own faith, they can have their own belief, but I ask them to seek and try to figure out the spiritual side of their life uh, and, and make sure they address that. And, and, uh, uh, but it's one of those things that we learn from, I think, my father is that we have a chance to, 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 to be an example. To, to, to share our faith, to share uh, uh, the spiritual side of life with our players and, and watch them grow. I think the one guy that, that Jeff and I both had when we, first, we started coaching together at Salem College, Jimbo Fisher was one of the first first quarterback we ever signed out of high school. And we got him out of high school. And I can remember he played for us at Salem, then he played for us at Sanford, then he coached with me at Auburn right. about 14 years. 
but, but now he's won national championships at Florida State. But you watch the nurturing, you watch the growth of all these young men like that. And, and, and I think that's what, you, when you see what they become as men uh, and what you have a chance to help them do. And uh, uh, I think that's what you, when you look back, it's so much more important than blocking and tackling or anything else that you might have taught. I think, um, you know, Terry started devotions at Akron three, I guess maybe three years ago, which is something Dad has done at FSU since since the late '80s. You started it every day, but um, we had a we had a devotion. I don't know, middle of the season, and was talking about the relationships that coaches have with their players, the importance of them. And uh, two of the characteristics of a great relationship is, is do they see that you care and can they trust you? And when I go back through my time being around players, that's what they would say about him. They trusted him. They knew he cared about them. Caring doesn't mean you're always nice and you're not always kicking them in the butt. Yeah. It just, he cared and they do that. And for me to hear that from them meant a lot. Yeah. And so I've, I've always just tried to carry that on a little bit as I go on and coach you. You talk about the valuables. I mean, to face your son in a game and, and vice versa, to face your dad. And I know your mom, I told you, I saw you with the Clemson side and the Florida State side. But what did the, what did the, obviously you were on, I'm in his will. Experience. I mean, the first time you're going up against your father in a game, I mean, you're telling your kids to win, and, and it's your dad who taught you everything, and vice versa. What is that? thing I remember about the first game is that, you know, they were national champions. They were undefeated, number one in the nation. And I think we were leading at halftime 14 to 3. I think we took 14 to 3. Yeah, you used a fake punt. Fake punt. The one you gave me back. <laughs> Uh, I remember going there at halftime, sitting as a player in his locker room, normally told us a player, then as a young, Terry and I young graduate assistants for him, and his ability to motivate and get him back on track, get him focused. Right. And I just, to myself, oh, you know, don't make him mad. And I came back and won, and won the game, finished up undefeated. Right. But, uh, and then in the next three years, just beat me like a gun. I just <laughs> killed him. What's ironic is you look at the college football today, the college football playoff. Yeah. If there was the college football playoff when you were coaching, yeah. you might have had six or seven national championships uh, yeah. because the schedule that you played at Florida State back in the day, yeah. you didn't fear anyone. We were good in November. <laughs> we, 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 yeah. really were, we were good in November. I mean, one year we lost the first game of the year, won the rest. Next year we lost the first two, won the rest. And then uh, we always ended up at the end, beating somebody pretty good, you know, and so, so, so you're right. If we had the playoff back in those days, I think we would have qualified about about 14 times. <laughs> would have qualified. When you look at college football today, um, talk to me just your your feelings about how you see the game changing. 
not just from a player's perspective, but coaches today in terms of what they have to deal with as student athletes in, in terms it, of it has changed, isn't it? That, that. Just like uh, Terry said a while ago about uh, you've got to be willing to change because football goes in cycles. You know, right now we're on an offensive cycle. Our defense is going nuts. I mean, games are 62 to 60. Non-existent, right? <laughs> defense which is going nuts, you know? Now, to me, they want to solve it. Now, I'm going to tell you how the best way for them to solve it. It's going to take a while for them to figure this out. You might have to take those 210-pound linebackers out and put in a 190-pounder that can fly to cover man-on-man -man on those guys that beat you out there in the flat all day long, you know? But anyway, it, it, the defense will come up with the answer to this thing. About every 10 years, the, the offense will create another cycle. And that's the way it goes. But right now, we are in an offensive cycle. That's okay, though, as long as you don't get that big lineman that's got a lot of speed. He'll <laughs> 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 get you every time on That's right. Yeah. And you need to be honest, not from a coaching perspective and, and being Bobby's wife. So talk to me about the unity of your family and what it means for you. Well, I just always felt like I was a part of it, you know. Sometimes I had to just zip my lip and sit back because I have a tendency to want to, it's like the doctor said yesterday, I had a tendency to be a little pushy with him, you know. <laughs> I like to be a part of it because I felt, I always felt like we were a team, you know, and I think my boys felt the same way. We were, our whole family was a team, but I was a team with him. You know, when God created Adam, he knew there was one thing missing. He needed a good helpmate and a woman. You know? yeah, and I sure. think that's true because I don't think a coach can be successful without to, a supportive wife. I used to have to hide my playbook from her. She'd draw up plays every now and then. She'd ship them off to them. She'd take care of them, boys. Yeah. I wanted them to win their share. Yeah. When you see your mom and dad being honored tonight at the College Football Hall of Fame, what, what does it mean to each of you? when you see them tonight and, and being honored for unity and success? Well, I hear one strive to be the best. You know, it's unusual to have a member of the family be the best. And uh, when we have Joe Turner and Martin back and forth and Martin and Nick Saban or whatever, but his name is going to be mentioned in the breath with the very fine Lonzo Stagg, Pop Warner, Big Rodney, Bobby Bowden Jr. So that's, uh, that's not something a children get to experience we're talking about the best in a chosen profession. And I tell you, I found it's it's hard for a coach to be successful without a supportive wife. Without a doubt. You yeah. said that three times. <laughs> 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 um, it is, it's true though. We've seen it in our profession take place a lot of times. And it's still going on today because you have a current coach in the MAC conference here that's uh, tearing it up. Well, I mean, I, I think I think about gratitude, just how grateful I am. Because in coaching football, there are going to be wins, there are going to be losses, there are going to be uh, good times, there are going to be bad times. And, and somewhere along the line, if I had not had someone that I trusted uh, and I knew cared about me, that showed me how to keep things in perspective. That football can, if you want to, if you want to lose, just make football number one in life. Make it number one, and I guarantee you, somewhere the stress, somewhere it'll get you. You'll make a mistake. Uh, you won't be able to answer all the questions. 
and it'll get you. Just make football number one, and it'll be the sure way to make it make you unsuccessful. So I think I think as I, I'm grateful that I had a, a, someone that I could I could watch and try to emulate and and, and understand the balance in life of, of football is just the the, the the opportunity we've been given, uh, and there are so many other things that, that are so much more important uh, in life uh, than just what we do and the way the way we do our profession. And maybe maybe this just comes from growing up. Uh, under them and seeing this from every aspect from from the best of the best to the worst of the worst uh, is just deserving deserving I've, I've never felt that two people weren't more deserving from what what I've seen growing up that's gonna make you feel that's that's fulfilled yeah. as parents right, right. That's what it's great it's been an honor today to really sit down with each and every one of you. I, mean, I know Terry personally, but to sit down and share life experiences, it's been an honor today. So it's glad to talk to somebody that's interested and looking for reasons, you know. Right. But I think this is the important thing about coaching. I used to tell my Terry Hill and Schwago, when I used to speak to the National Coaches Convention, there'd be a couple thousand coaches there all over the country. First thing I tell them, well, don't make football your God. Don't make football your God, because you're not going to lose win all your games. You're going to get embarrassed and humiliated, and you better stay humble, you know, because uh, they think you're not going to win all your games. So don't make football your God, you know. Make God your God. Then make your wife your second God, you know. And then, then the other people, honor them. Then somewhere down there, football comes in. Way down there, you know. If you want to be successful, you better get your priorities normal. You know. Great insight.